I teach this class, I, and I, it's every Monday night for three hours for one month. And then also I teach the Ministry of Helps. Ministry of Helps and personal evangelism, I love to do. I mean, I share with Pastor today that if I can do anything to make your job easy, you let me know, because I'm the Ministry of Helps. I'm the, the guy to go to, so. Okay, are you a soul winner? Another question, why are you a soul winner? Have you ever thought about that? Why am I a soul winner? Our job? As Christians, yes. God is a personal God. He deals with each of us personally and individually. There are five reasons why we are soul winners. Because each person matters to God. I don't care who you are, where you live, if you've got a chicken cow, if you don't, you matter to God. God loves you. If God didn't love you, he wouldn't have sent his son for us, would he? In Psalms, chapter 139, verses 15 through 18, you even formed every bone in my body when you created me in the secret place. Carefully, skillfully, you shaped me from nothing to something. You saw who created me to be before I became me. Before I even ever seen the light of day, the number of days you planned for me were already recorded in your book. Every single moment you're thinking of me, how precious, how one and wonderful to consider you cherish me constantly in your every thought. Oh God, your desires toward me are more than the grains of sand on every shore. When I wake each morning, you're still with me. Anybody knows anything about me, I watch a lot of wildlife programs. And the other night I watched something about how sand is created. And it was very interesting. Never thought how some of this was created. So when I and I lived at the Cayman Islands, there was a beach. Now, the Cayman Islands beaches are wonderful. The water is just as clear as swimming pool water. If you ever go to the Cayman Islands, go to one of those oceans, you'll never go to another ocean in the United States. I mean, it's gorgeous. But I'm thinking, that, can you imagine? You're more important than the sand, the grains of sand. Have you ever tried? Agriculture class one time, we had three different seeds, and you had to have a microscope to see what type of seed it was. Can you imagine trying to figure out how many grains of sand? You, can, you know, you can take sand and put a little moisture, and you can make something beautiful out of it. If you've got that kind of skill and talent, which I don't. But because we love him, he cares about the things he cares about. He can feel, we can feel the Lord's compassion reaching out through us, through those around us who are hurting. Have you ever been in a store or somewhere and all of a sudden, you don't know this person, all of a sudden they just share something right off the wall and you're like, why are they sharing that with me? I don't know that person. They're hurting. Another thing too is, there are hurting people in our churches today. Let's be honest with each other. How many times do you come in with a migraine headache and someone says, hey, you're off, you're wonderful. No, you don't. You gotta have a headache. But we do tell them, oh yeah, I, I, I feel fine. So we're, 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 we're hurting people. We're the, the people around us. Because Jesus told us, go and tell. Isn't that what he told us? He didn't say now. I want you to come to church and hear a good sermon and, and hear the praise and worship and just sit still. 
That means we got to go out and tell. Now, what, what, do you, what do you mean go out to talk? Well, we got all kinds of modern convenience to do that. You might not be a talker like I am, but you've got phones. Send messages. we got Facebook. Fuck God's word with them on Facebook. And so, in Matthew chapter 28, verses 18 through 20, and Jesus came to them, said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe them all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always into the end of the earth, of the age. The Great Commission was, church, go out and tell people. If we do our job as a church to go tell people, you want to go hold these, these, these people. We need to tell Brian, we need to build another church, quick, quick. But what we do is, like I said last week, we're a secret agent for Jesus because we're afraid to tell anybody about Jesus. I pray that God gives me boldness. And yes, I've been turned down. And then you know what? They're not turning me down because they don't have to answer to me. They have to answer to Jesus. So someone turns you down, look at that way. Well, you know, I'm going to pray for you because you're not turning me down. So what does Webster say about commission? It's a, an authoritative order, charge, authority to grant for a particular action or function or authorized or sent on a mission. We should be on a mission. Our mission is tell people about Jesus. Making disciples. Go. Work. The Greek word there for discipleship literally means to enroll as a learner or a person, a pupil. Having ongoing relationships with those we lead to the Lord will provide us an opportunity to speak into their lives and help them grow spiritually. It takes time. We live in a society we don't like to spend time. We go to our fast food restaurants and if we don't get our sandwich within three minutes, we're ready to go home. It takes time to talk to people about Jesus and be with them all the time. It's not the pastor's duty to do it all the time. If we confess to be Christians in the church, it's our job. Because we can reach people that he can't. And so it's us to spend time with them. You know, it's like this. Uh, as a church, as a body, when a person becomes a Christian, it's like a mother hen. When she senses dangers, she starts clucking, and all these little baby chicks go underneath her wings, and she protects them. We should be like that mother hen. When that new Christian comes in, we need to protect them. Yes. Because I'm telling you something, the world out there is going to pull that person either way they can to get, get them away, away from them. So Jesus instructed the church, and it says, Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. That's Matthew chapter 4, verse 19. Jesus' last instruction to the church was, But you shall receive the power after the Holy Ghost is given you, and you shall be witness unto me. Let me tell you something. What is the, well, let me ask you, what is the Holy Spirit? Now, this is how I explain the, the, the Holy Spirit. When I was in my younger days, I had a car. And the car was like a Flintstone car. It had three gears. Drive, neutral, and reverse. And so when you parked it, you better make sure that you parked it 
and turn your wheels into the curb and put the emergency brake on. You go up a hill and the windshield wiper will barely move. You go down the hill, boy, it would just, and it, 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 I mean, it move on. When I got up a little older and got a little money, I got another car with a suit that was a V8. Man, I thought I had arrived. I had some power. Got a little older, move up my money. I bought a truck that had turbo. And I mean, it would simply fly. I took it out one day and I just thought, I'm going to see what this truck will do. And I got up to 80 just like that. And I said, don't you think that's fast enough? And I said, yeah, I know what it's going to do. It's the same way with the Holy Spirit. You've got to have the power. And it's like a credit card. Everybody comes to Christian has got the Holy Spirit, but you've got to activate the Holy Spirit. All of you, all of us have got credit cards. When you first got your credit card, you couldn't go to store and buy it because you had to call the telephone, 800 number, whatever number they tell you to call to activate that card. So you, you had a card. But if you don't call and activate it, you can't buy anything. If you don't activate the Holy Spirit, you've got it, but you're not using it. So we, we got you know, to use this. Exactly. Like a gift, you, you got it, but you don't want it. And I'm going to tell you something. When I got filled with the Holy Spirit, it changed my life completely. I can shout right now. Because let me tell you something. You would think a guy from Hungary led me in the Holy Spirit. I probably told this story before, but I think it's, it's fitting here to say again. I ran from that guy. Literally ran from that guy. I'd pray my truck would break down so I could be laying church so I wouldn't face it. We, was, we, had, we had a farm out here on, on the cow spirit, and I'd pray. One of these cows would go into labor. So I'd have to stay with the cow. And about a month of this, he came to me and he said, when you quit running? So he came out to the house one day and, and we was eating lunch and he prayed over me and he left. Three days later, my cows were out in the middle of the road. And these were expensive cattle. And my poor dog, we brought him in, he probably thought I was nuts. And I'm going down that hill real fast, and all of a sudden I start speaking in tongues, and it scared me. I'm going to be honest with you. When we're family here tonight, it scared me. And I guess the dog looked at me like, what's wrong with you? But what I was doing is I was praying, God, please don't let anybody hit my cows. Because first I could say, I could hear lawsuits, lawsuits, lawsuits. And the next thing I'd say, oh, how am I going to explain how these cows got out? It's my fault. So we went on and then, and then stuff and then everything worked out perfect. From then on, I had a peace because I looked at all my cows counting forward. Nobody got hurt. Everybody got back in and I fixed the fence. And there, but there was a peace that I never had before. So we have been given the power we need. The power from the Greek word means dumas. It's a force, a power, a strength, a building. A power residing in a believer. You can do one or two things. You can use this power or you can put it on a shelf. You can control it. The Holy Spirit came to the disciples and power to the witness for Jesus. I need someone to read Acts 2.14 for me, please. Okay. And it's mine is labeled Peter addresses the crowd. Then Peter stood up with the eleven, raised his voice and addressed the crowd. Fellow Jews and all of you who live in Jerusalem, let me explain this to you. Listen carefully to what I say. 
These men are not drunk, as you suppose. It is only nine in the morning. No, this is what was spoke of by the prophet Joel. So some people might think, well, speaking in tongues, you've hit the ball too early. You see, then they received the power to deliver others from the kingdom of darkness. The Holy Spirit will lead you to, to, to minister to all types of people. All you got to do is ask. You may be praying for this person over here to receive salvation. The Holy Spirit may lead you over here to pray for somebody that's got some type of disease. I'll never forget when Diane and I lived in Georgia. And if you ever read my resume, you would think that boy never stayed home anywhere. We traveled with our company everywhere. We never was home much and we traveled. But we attended a church because the company we worked for, we couldn't go to church. We went to church at 2 o'clock in the afternoon. So the pastor came to me and he said, Jerry said, he said, I'd like for you to help me in altar ministry. That's okay. So this woman came up a couple weeks thereafter, he asked me that, and said, I want you to pray for me. Now I never ask anybody what I need to pray about. I want the Holy Spirit to tell me. And I said, okay. And she said, I don't feel good. Basically, that's all she said. Okay. So I prayed over. And when I prayed over, she went out in spirit. I didn't touch her. Next Sunday, she come back and she said, Brother Terry, she said, you didn't know what wrong with me, did I? And I said, no. She said, my back's been hurting me for two weeks. And she said, when you prayed, the Holy Spirit hit my back and it felt like an electric charge hit my back. And she said, my back has not hurt since. See, the Holy Spirit works in different ways. Thus, this same miracle power is available to us today to be our, to be a witness. We need to use this. Don't be, you know, don't, don't put it in your closet. Go out and witness to people. Because of the, the, of the benefits of being a soul winner, you can experience a venture. When you lead someone to Christ, man, there is something about, I mean, I can't imagine what Jesus is doing and the angels doing there. When I see someone I witness to, or say, say I witness and plant some seed, and one of you brothers or sisters go and, and water the seed, and, and they come forward, man, you, I'm telling you, it's a joy and a peace that overcomes me that it's unreal. When we have people come down here and get, get set free and from whatever they get, they're in, man, I cry like a baby. I don't, sometimes I don't even know the people. When they get saved, man, that's one person that the devil doesn't have. You need to get excited. You need to get on fire. The church has been too quiet too long. That's the sad part about it. We've let some of the stuff come in, the world come into the church, and we shouldn't let it in. Did you know that what you do each day has a meaning, a big picture of God's plan? God, we also all times just only see the little small tree. But God sees the big forest. Doing God's will and showing love and, and the truth to those he died for brings feeling of fulfillment and joy. Do you have joy? Some people come to church, look like they've been sucking in all day long. And I don't know whether they're in pain, they have no peace, or what. 
Well, Christians should be the happiest people on earth. Because we know Jesus. We've got the Holy Spirit to guide us. So we should be the happiest people. When you get ready to hire a person, a person should say, I want to go to this person's over here at work because I know they're Christians. We should draw them just like a magnet. Last week I showed you about the two guys that asked him, was I a Christian? The Holy Spirit draws them to me. I don't know those people. And to this day, if you said, go, go find out who those people are, I couldn't, I couldn't tell you where they're at. Your testimony brings out the dust, dusting in the past. Tell them your, dust, your testimony. Everybody has a testimony, amen? You know, my testimony was this. When I worked at Isaiah House, we, 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 we take people come and, and get off addictions. My testimony is, I'm by the grace of God, I didn't get into that. I had an opportunity to do it. Without God, with God's mercy and grace, I didn't get into that. So tell me your testimony. It will need, will hap, what will happen when you your will and will happen your, in your prayers, your worship, your Bible reading, and you look for ways to explain your faith, which strengthens our daily walk as we depend on Him. The more you share your testimony, the more you share the gospel with people, the more peace you will have, the more you will attract. Attract people. You have honor of being a God, of being God's agent. We're God's agents. All the people all around us are starving for peace, for healing, for forgiveness, and for a spiritual life. If people weren't starving and stuff, our church would be packed. We need to be the person that goes and says, hey, I'll help you. I'll love you. I'll, 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 I'll be with you. I'll, I'll, do it. I'll help you out. Pray for people. You'll find the blessings you experience are too good to keep them to yourself. You need to just go and tell it. Go and tell it. Another benefit is this. Because hell is a real place. I'm going to tell you something, people. There are people walking around here in this world that don't believe in hell. Hell is real, people. Hell is real. It's mentioned 63 times in the Bible. If it's mentioned 63 times in the Bible, that means there is a real hell. And I said last week, how many times have you heard a sermon lately on hell? We don't preach it no more. I don't know if we're afraid to or what, but we just don't pray. Jesus referred to it 10 separate times. So if Jesus said it 10 times, there is a hell. If Jesus said it, I believe it. And I've said to one time to some people, I said, if I take this Bible and I throw out everything I disagree with, there'll be one page left in this whole entire Bible. And you know what that'd be? Belongs to Terry Pop, day of birth, day of death. You, you, can, you can dissect that Bible and turn out what you want to do. When God says there's a hell, there's a hell. And there's a hell. Hell is not made for mankind, but it's for the, the devil and his angels. You've heard probably saying, well, a loving God will never send one, nobody to hell. God doesn't send anybody to hell. He gives you a choice. I've often said, it'd probably be nice if God didn't create robots. Because he can program the way he wanted them. But he didn't. He gave man a choice. And so you have a choice. 
The Lord is not willing that any should perish, but all should come to repentance. That's 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 9. But God has given us a free will. You choose either life or death. I had a pastor tell me one time, he was talking about people that are not saved. He said, it's like going to the grocery store, walking around with a bunch of dead people. Physically, they're alive. Spiritually, they're dead. One time I was dead too because I had to accept Jesus. And sometimes our sins can make us stink. God has gone to great lengths to find a way to escape. He sent his son. He sent his son to pay the penalty for our sins. He put roadblocks. When Diane and I go back and forth to Harrisburg, they're working on there by the BG and, and the Harrisburg exit. And there's signs saying construction. Stay in the left lane, don't get in the right lane. Construction, show the work. Now I can do one of two things. I can heed those signs and stay in the left lane. Or I can be stubborn and act like I don't see the signs and knock the signs down, depending on what time of day it is or night, and turn my vehicle. Or during the day, I can get some people. I can uh, run the vehicle into construction work uh, equipment and turn my car up. But I heed the warning. Construction. We should heed the warning to, to, to this. Brother and sister, heed the warning. Jesus is coming back. Heed the warning. I can't tell you when he's coming, but I can tell you right now, he's coming back. Because all you have to do is look at the way the world's going. I'm telling you, y'all probably think, well, I'm not God, because I've been going down here. Tired of waiting. Tired of waiting. But there's roadblocks. And like I say, I like to use this example again. There's a mother hen. He's a warning. When there's a warning, the little chick's going in her wings. We're under the Almighty God and the Holy Spirit, who's got his wings protecting us. Now all you can do is plant the seed and go go that way. And, and then, like I say, when that person's ready, uh, they the next person might you know, well, you know, yeah. But it's it's amazing that uh, Sometimes it takes four or five people to witness to one person and it's like, oh. Charles Stanley says one time, he said, have you been, you've been to church and you hear all these sermons about different things and stuff and you hear the word and you hear the word and you hear the word and then one day, light bulb goes off, clicks and you're like, why did I wait so long to accept Jesus for? When you sing the old song, wasted years, wasted years, precious years, but Diane and I used to do a lot of witnessing, um, and I'll never forget this. And I had fun with it. I mean, you know, I, I, this, this, and I get excited. You know, you gotta get excited. You can't go to, well, bless God, uh, you need to get saved. No, I ain't nobody gonna listen to you that way. But I get excited. I'll never forget Diane and I, we lived here, there some, used to be some apartments here on the high street. We, we lived there. And there was a guy that worked with my father-in-law when he was in vet practice. And Diane worked, she went to finish her college education at UK. Because uh, when she met, when I met her, I just messed all the plans up. She had come back from Paul Roberts and come to marry me, you know. <laughs> but anyway, so she got to witness to this guy. And he was there. 
I knew of him, but I thought, and I thought, wow. And she talked to him for about an hour, and we'd like to cut it up, and all of a sudden she's brought about the Bible. Next thing I know, he's getting saved. <laughs> so you see, sometimes it's that quick. Because he'd been around some Christian people, obviously, and he was ready. Don't give up. Just because you get turned down, don't give up. God will lead you, the Holy Spirit will lead you to someone else to witness to. That's our jobs. God said, go. He didn't say, oh, and, 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 and the thing about it is, why did somebody from America lead me to the Holy Spirit? It took a Hungarian guy that moved here to the United States to do that. God didn't say only certain people could do it. He said, everybody. That means you. That means me. Share the gospel. Get excited. I'm so excited I can go out and witness tonight. My brother-in-law, he teaches this in Guatemala. And when he gets through teaching, the next lesson they do is they go out and they do what they've been taught. When they go out and do that, it opens a lot of guys and women's eyes that they don't see sometimes here in America. Pray for somebody that's got a garter, and all of a sudden, boom, it's gone. Well, I don't know. Well, I don't know what's going on. Believe it or not, you know, that's off a big garter. Well, God's a God's a God of a healer. He can do anything. And the thing about it, we 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 pray and and but we put God on a time clock. One thing about being retired, I don't have a time clock. God said, you need to do this, do this. And I look at him and say, I'm retired, I don't have a time clock. But God doesn't have a time clock. And I can't get I can't get through people's heads how important it is to witness. You want your church to grow? Witness. They're not going to come to church without you inviting somebody. Very few people walk in the church door that's not been invited by somebody. Like I showed with last week. I'm not going to go see Cincinnati Reds play by myself. Somebody says, hey, I got tickets. I said, well, let's go. And I ain't even going to buy the ticket. I'm not going to buy myself. And I do like the Reds. Witness at work. Well, I'll get in trouble. You know, you know how you can witness at work and not get in trouble? Just say, boy, I tell you, in our church, and go with another brother or sister that you know is a believer. Say, so our pastor preached a wonderful service. We had a, a wonderful praise and worship service. You know, people, nobody sharing the gospel, nobody. You know, we people should be so excited to get to this church building that we have to have Philip and different ones out here to control the traffic. This church is going to get on fire. And one way to get on fire is out and get, go out and witness people. And the, and the sweetest thing is this. You planted that seed. And someone comes and waters that seed. And that person gets saved. And you hear about it. You have part of that. And so what that does, that makes me get excited going and, and witness and, and, get, and get another person saved. But I do not really get excited about witnessing to people. And it doesn't matter who, who they are. I don't care if you got two cents in your pocket or five million dollars in your pocket. It don't matter to me. I can talk to anybody. And you say, well, I'm not a talker like you are, Terry. I know you're not. Some of you aren't. And I understand that. 
But the way to build relationships sometimes too is somebody in your neighborhood and you need to fix them a meal. Say somebody just moved in. Now, I know what moving's about. And someone brings me a good hamburger or good uh, sandwich of some type, that's really appreciated. Then you can say, hey, I know you're new in the community. Hey, when you get settled in, I'd like to invite you to my church. That's how you get things started. And that just by a simple sandwich. If you're listening to the Holy Spirit, my wife and I were on a cruise from all places and we sat down to eat, and a gentleman, we were on this little island, and the gentleman comes up and he sits down, and it's kind of crowded there, and we start to talk, and uh, he began to share his testimony uh, about how the Lord had uh, saved him, and how the Lord had, uh, you know, delivered him from alcohol, and all those kinds of things, and I stayed quiet, and my wife had a connection with him to just be able to just encourage him even more because he was really worried. And there are a lot of people, let me just tell you, there are a lot of people worried about what's going on in this world. That is one way to connect with people. When people say, I'm just, I'm just worried about the economy. I'm just worried about this. I'm just worried about that. I'm just, and if you begin to say, you know what? I'm not really that worried about it. I feel, I'm, I'm ready to go when the Lord comes. And, you know, those, those are in routes for us to be able to witness to people, but we have to be very sensitive to the Holy Spirit and how we do that. And if we'll listen, the Holy Spirit will actually guide us. And that guy, literally, when he left, and I said two words, and my wife, and you guys know that she's not the talker in the group, just really encouraged this gentleman. And he said, I'm so glad I sat down here. I believe this was designed by God for me to sit down here. So if we're led by the Holy Spirit, I mean, we can, God will just do great things.